Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, brought to you by Circle Sanctuary, one of the oldest nature spirituality churches in the United States, connecting people of nature center paths around the world. Join us through the week for a variety of shows discussing various topics, celebrating the divine in all of its forms through nature worship, rituals, education, and building bridges of community. Welcome to our show. My name is Deborah Rose, and I'm your host on Circle Talk. Circle Talk is one of the shows featured on CSNP, Circle Sanctuary Network Podcast. CSNP has a lineup of rotating shows throughout the month. Mondays feature Lunatic Mondays with host Laura Gonzalez, alternating weeks in English and Spanish. It can't be Tuesday without Circle Talk, and I'll continue to be the host for this show on the first and third Tuesdays of each month. Wednesdays feature Nature Spirituality with none other than Selena Fox. Are you in the mood for some magic? Then you'll want to tune in on Thursdays for Moon Magic with Dave and Jeanette Ewing. It is such a fun and informative lineup of shows, and I hope you try them all. Tonight, we'll be talking with Reverend Jerry Hildebrand about the Covenant of Unitarian Universalist Pagans, or known as CUPS. Reverend Jerry Hildebrand is president of the Covenant of Unitarian Universalist Pagans, also known as CUPS. Jerry is the principal and creative director of her own design company and marketing company, as well as adjunct professor at a local community college. She was ordained as a minister with Circle Sanctuary in Wisconsin in 2004. As a friend and member of both First Universalist Society and First Church Unitarian in Salem, Massachusetts, she has served in various roles on communities and was board co-chair at First Universalist. She was also youth program coordinator on staff at First Parish in North Andover, Massachusetts. Jerry has also been an advocate for interfaith dialogue and participation with UU Paganism and the larger pagan faith community. Reverend Jerry was an advisor for the Lady Liberty League, served as volunteer, incarcerated institutional settings, is on the Ministerial Credentialing Committee for Circle Sanctuary's ministerial program. She has written various articles for a variety of magazines and has been interviewed in books such as the edited edition of Drawing Down the Moon by the NPR reporter Margot Adler and People of the Earth by Ellen Abbott Hopman. Jerry has presented at conferences nationally and internationally, such as the Parliament of World's Religions in Barcelona, Spain, Salt Lake City, Utah, and served on the Ambassador Advisory Council for this organization. She has also presented at the Conference for Global Transformation and was co-author and editor with Reverend Shirley Rannick of the book Voices of Unitarian Universalist Pagans and Earth-Centered Spirituality, published by Skinner House Press. Jerry is not only a fellow minister, but a close friend of mine. And I know you're all going to know in a few minutes why I think she's fabulous. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you. How are hey. you? I'm doing awesome. great, and thank you, because I know you're really, really busy. Jerry's just decided to go back to school in the midst of all these different things, so we're very pleased she took time out of her super busy schedule to come and talk with us tonight. Thanks, Deborah. So tell the oh, – I meet so many people who – and, again, I've been involved – with cups on a local level probably for 25 years, but I meet a lot of people who have never heard of it. And I remember when I first was invited to go, people said it's at a church. And I said, a pagan at a church? What? Tell folks what (laughs) cups is. So cups is uh, what they call a covenanting community of the Unitarian Universal Association. So one of the things that that means is that we are, um, the UUA used to have, so the Unitarian Universalist Association is also known as the UUA, and they used to Mm -hmm. have these um, uh, organizations that that identified with UU principles and purposes, um, and they were called independent affiliates. So now they're what is called a covenanting community. And a covenanting community is 
a little to me it's a little bigger than an independent affiliate in that um, mm-hmm. the UUA recognizes the gifts that we bring to the denomination and that we have a, a, a broader outreach and a depth to our organization such that we have um, we have a lot to contribute. So there's mm-hmm. over, I think, over 70 or 80 chapters right now of mm-hmm. Pups all over the country. And, um, and we've been around since 1986. And um, in, in 1987 at General Assembly for the Unitarian Universal Association, which is a great big gathering that they have, the mm-hmm. Unitarian Universal Association sort of welcomed us. They welcomed us into the fold, so to speak. And, and so our purpose is we network um, amongst pagan-identified or earth-centered spirituality-identified UUs, of which mm-hmm. generally the last, um, the last poll that was done, we, we equal about 20% of the denomination. That's which is pretty big. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, and so, and we provide outreach um, for the Unitarian Universalist Association and and churches around us to the broader communities um, in paganism nationally, internationally, and locally. Our chapters do that locally. Um, Mm -hmm. We have. We're, you know, we're, we've been building educational materials over the years between book lists and journals and newsletters that we've created, but also with the book that Reverend Shirley Rank and I were invited to create um, through Skinner House Press, which is an arm of the UUA and, um, and Beacon Press, called um, Voices of Earth-Centered Spirituality and Paganism, and it's all it's 23 incredible voices of people who are um, some of the some of the premier voices of paganism and earth centered spirituality in the Unitarian Universalist Association. Um, one mm-hmm. of those people was Marco Adler. So we have the right. last article ever to be published in a publication by Marco. And it was published in the UU world at one point in time um, about being a UU pagan and how it was juicy and rich, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so that is that publication is it's still in print. It's doing great. Um, you can order it from Skinner House Press, and um, and so that's one of the pieces that we accomplished. That was a big accomplishment because. Mm-hmm. Like the UUA had never done a book on paganism until then. Um, we work inside of the purposes and principles of the of the Unitarian Universalist Association. Um, one of which is about being in harmony with Earth and, mm-hmm. and honoring, um, you know, sort of the earthly realm around us. And and the other one is around honoring um, honoring all that is sacred around um, earth-centered practices. And, but we also work interfaith-wise because in our denomination, you know, any Sunday in a pew, there might be a few pagans, there might be a few Christians, mm-hmm. Jews, Hindus, you mm-hmm. Muslims, it's a little bit of everybody. And so we, go, we walk into this beautiful interfaith setting. Um, the one, the gift, that we bring is who we are as pagans. We bring our music and our capacity mm-hmm. to dance and as artists and music and storytellers and ritualists um, to Sunday mm-hmm. worship or to worship overall. And that that is a, it's a fun thing to do because, you know, for those of you who have ever been to church, sometimes it's kind of dry and boring. But mm-hmm. we get to liven it up through who we are with our ecstatic sense of ritual. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit about who we are. We also support UU religious professionals, UU pagan ministers who may be going for ordination in the larger denomination, ministerial students, and um, and all of that sort of thing. So we have a we have a pretty big job to do. Yeah, it's funny that you say that. Um, 
the church that I go to, um, when I first start going to it, had a very large, um, um, I would say, humanist factor. Um, yep. A lot of people identified with that, and they were looking for more reason and lecture than uh, touchy-feely. So oh, yeah. when I got when I got real involved in the church, and like I said, not every, you know, for me, cuts has come a long way as far as bridging a gap that I would say, you know, now I'm just part of the church. And like you say, I'm just one of the many faiths. At, at one time, yeah. people kind of looked at Pagan and, you know, were afraid or, or didn't think it was real. But I remember the first time uh, my partner and I, we hosted um, during the Sunday service, a Maypo dance mm-hmm. and these people like loved it. And I'm like, folks, this is like ritual. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. And, and it was funny. And so, so we will get what I call non-pagans or seekers. We will get a lot of people who come to the church. will simply come to our rituals just because they think they're fun and they enjoy being with people. And so, yeah, I think it's, I think it's really changed over the years. I mean, what was it like? I know in the beginning, not every congregation was welcoming to pagans. I mean, it oh, was a hard road. No. no, no, no. Yeah. They tell were us the like, history. Like, it was a hard road in the beginning. It was a hard road. I mean, I've been around since, since pretty much the beginning. And, I mean, so Cups started in 1986 after a group of people got together at a general assembly. And the UUA was, I mean, around the Unitarian Universalism, the God of Spirituality stuff had already started to take hold because of a course called Cakes to the Queen of Heaven that Shirley Rank right. had written. And so um, people were, women especially were kind of hungry for that earthy, earth-centered, goddess-centered spirituality. Mm-hmm. And then there was a men's movement starting too, and they were hungry for the whole male aspect of earth-centered spirituality. So around, you know, like, probably the earliest known UU pagan worship was around 1980 at the Unitarian Universalist Association Feminist Theology Convocation in Michigan. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was, a you know, just a group of people who did a whole goddess-centered thing, and the Budapest was there, and, and her movies were showing. I mean, people were, like, really into the whole goddess-centered thing. And then in 1985 in Atlanta, there were people who were interested in goddess-centered stuff more generally um, across all of the bands of gender identities. And, um, and they were also interested in paganism and ancient religion worship. And right. um, so there was a, a meeting that was held. Um, at that General Assembly, and um, folks like Krista Landon, Dr. Krista Landon, and Reverend Michael Bob Boblet, and Leslie Phillips, and Linda Pinty were all there, and they decided to start putting feelers out about, would people really be interested in this? And then in 1986 in Rochester, New York, an announcement was made that there would be a meeting of people who were pagan-identified or earth-centered identified and there were about mm-hmm. 25 people or so that showed up and the outcome was that they that they decided they would create a network so they created a network and um and they decided to call it cups with a double u because of the chalice mm-hmm. so then by 1987 margo adler had successfully completed her book as a beacon press author and beacon press is a uu print house they were a book, right. a book publisher, and they published Drawing Down the Moon. And at the same time Drawing Down the Moon got published by Beacon Press, Starhawk's book, Spiral Dance, was being published mm-hmm. by another publisher. So we had all of a sudden these two fabulous books out there. Right. Um, but Margot was, had, had become Unitarian Universalist taken at that point on top of being a Gardnerian priestess. Right, and so it was. They had such an overwhelming attendance at that at the first ritual they ever did that it was just like by 1986 they were or 88 they were off and running. Right, so they be, they mm-hmm. gained independent affiliate status. They were formally recognized by the UUA. 
and all of that sort of stuff. And they say, started having gatherings once a year. Then they would meet at General Assembly every year and have ritual and meetings, and it grew. And um, and now here we are today. So, it, it, like, in 1996, there was, like, a shift. Because the organization had pretty much been being run by a small group of people. It wasn't really democratically mm-hmm. run. And right. one of the principles of Unitarian Universalist Association is to be to honor the democratic process. So a group mm-hmm. of members said, okay, it's time. It's time. It's time for us to be democratic. And I was part of that. Um, it was a very spirited, let me tell you, it was a very political campaign. <laughs> very, very spirited. Margot was part of it. I was part of it. Um, there were all, David Pollard, who's our former executive director, was part of it. There were all, like a number of us who um, we were just like, come on, let's go. We, we want to support. We want to help. We want this to be like shaped as a UU organization. So it shifted, and um, we installed the first um, democratically elected board in 1996, and um, it was it was crazy. It was like really crazy um, time, and it was fun, and it was like pagan leaders across the country were like, "What a democratic youth, a democratic pagan organization!" Like most of them were about consensus or mm-hmm by personality or whatever this was going to be democratic like the members had a say mm-hmm. and um, we had bylaws financial stuff together and we created publications and and all that kind of stuff all the same same things we still have in place today and and so um i just so i so as i remember back to that time i so love and honor all of the the folks who really stood for not just our pagan and earth-centered values, but that we could do it inside of a of democracy and democratic thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that that's what has had us hold on for so long and be strong mm-hmm. is because our members care, our our chapters care, our congregations care. Mm-hmm. And what I think is so nice is that part of the requirement to be a CUPS group is that at least three members are also members of the church. So because yeah. I know when I first joined, um, we had some ruckus because the person who was basically running it at that time um, kind of created um, – a church within a church, or almost like a coven. Oh, In fact, yeah. I, yep. I started to go to the church, and I was discouraged from going to the church on Sunday. And so mm-hmm. I, I think I think that's something that you see less of now, but I think that's something that was also um, Cups had issues with over the years about that. We did. You know, um, I think that um, – I think many – folks thought we were kind of this this haven that they could come to and they didn't realize that there was some real there was some real structure underneath it and it's known as a church within a church which is deadly to the primary arm of a church so say my congregation here in my city decides to have a cups chapter but that chapter is only going to be run like a coven or by a cult of personality or whatever. That can draw away from the life force of the overall congregation, um, how earth-centered spirituality is seen on a, on a, on a Sunday or in its practices. It can seem Absolutely. manipulative. Um it can it can draw it really I mean for me it draws the life force out of the overall congregation. What I love about cops is that we are members of our congregations. Right. We we contribute, we give money, we serve on committees, 
I mean, I was board chair of my congregation right. at one point. Like, who would, who would have thought they would have put the pagan in charge of the board of, of, a, of a New England <laughs> congregation, right? A New England right. puritanical style congregation. Because um, isn't your church where they hung the witches? Oh, yes. My church is... <laughs> there you go. My ch- so, so my church, so I'm just going to, I'm going to tip my hand here. I live in Salem, Massachusetts. No, and I was so going to say, church, you're, you've, you've brought your church a long way. <laughs> so my church, my church I belong to now, I used to belong to First Universalist, and they closed their doors a few years ago. But now I belong to First Church Unitarian, or First Church Salem Unitarian Universalist. And they were, and that was their technical name is the is the First Congregational Society of Salem. Uh-huh. So they were the they were the they were um they were born out of the early church and church here in Salem that right. hung and persecuted. They hung twenty nineteen nineteen people and and stoned one. So twenty right. people died. And um, so that church, the Puritan church, split at some point, um, and mostly because the Trinitarians and the Unitarians in Massachusetts had a bit of a thing going on. And so the, the Unitarians believed in universal salvation for everybody. Right. The Trinitarians believed in the Holy Trinity. So the right. Trinitarians are technically known now in, in Massachusetts as Congregationalists. And so in most communities in Massachusetts, there was clearly a statewide vote. Who got the first churches? And so many towns' first churches were, were taken in by the Unitarians. And then some others were taken in by the Trinitarians. Um, so we are part of the first church, and so we became Unitarian. And um, That's so yeah, fascinating. So it's an interesting history, right? And I mean, if you look at it, the it Unitarians, is. were really the scholars and the and the teachers, and the Unitarians were the fishermen and the farmers and the people of the earth. So How- I am now I'm a member of First Church. Um, it was founded in six. 1926. Our covenant. Our covenant. And it's a beautiful church, also. It's gorgeous. It's a Gothic church. I think this is the third building. At one point in time, there were two Unitarian and two Universalist congregations here in town in the the 1800s during the um, the Transcendentalist movement. And, um, but here we are, right? Now, we no longer have a Cups chapter in town. I left one at First Universalist for 13 years. But it was just time to step back and, and yeah. take a break, and, and, and the chapter died. But um, chapters do, they support their congregations in a big way. It, it allows, chapters allow, first of all, for congregations to learn the fun of earth-centered spirituality and the depth of it all. But it also allows the pagan community a, a way to start bridging and understanding that those, some of those, that old thinking patterns around the, uh, I guess what I'm going to call the monotheistic, um, died in the world way we think about churches may not be what's necessarily accurate. Absolutely. And I think your book um, um, really helped because I know um, I've had, um, when I, um, I'm on the cup board and I went to GA and I know talking to people, especially ministers for, um, and because I always went to a church that had a huge pagan group. I guess I assumed everybody did until I went to leadership school, (laughs) and then I found out some don't. Some ministers necessarily aren't as pagan-friendly as others, and that, but a lot of ministers want pagans because they say that's one of the that's the fastest-growing arm of UU. 
is earth centered spirituality and it brings in young people and it and so they're interested in learning more about it and many people I've noticed probably in the last five years uh, a lot of churches have incorporated um, 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 you know our eight festivals during the year they are incorporating more pagan themed services throughout the year for example you know, at Beltane, um, the Maypo dance, um, mm-hmm. that type of thing. So, I, and I think that's relatively, yeah. And I think that that's interesting. That um, that, uh, and again, that's why uh, your the book was excellent. And Thanks. I think it served such a great cause because there were so many different voices, and just like, you know. You know, there's so many different pagan, different types of paganism that I think that yep. it really gave people more of an understanding. And so many people that I've talked to and reached out with and, and who've said, you know, I say, well, this is what I believe. And they're like, that's it. Well, I kind of believe that, too. I go, yeah, there's nothing, right. unfortunately, spooky or scary. It's just a different way of looking at things. So, you know, to uh, the two churches I the two churches I belong to here in my city, both so the first Universalist, um, we had a big brick where it's an old New England church, right? So we had a big brick um, front yard, pulled a brick up, we planted a hole like a PVC pipe into the ground to set a maple uh-huh. in every year. So we knew where that brick was with that hole dug and that PVC pipe to set our maypole into. And we danced it in the middle of our city, in the middle of that courtyard. First church Salem a few years ago also dug into there. They have a beautiful garden that's circular and there's an old millstone that has been set as an altar out there. And there is a PVC pipe dug into where the hole dug into the ground with a PVC pipe set into it for a maypole to be planted every year when it's time to do the maypole. And, and, That's and so much it's circular. Fun. The garden is circular, so the children come out, people come out. We've got folks who drum or people who... Our organist will bring his piano, his portable piano, and play music. Like, it's just... It's really fun. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes the music we choose to dance pull to comes mm-hmm. from the old red pilgrim's hymnal from oh, the first fun. church of Salem or from the first churches, right? And that red hymnal has some beautiful, fun, raucous spring music in it that you can dance a maple to. That's really fun. I know it is, you know, and, and that church has hosted, both churches here have hosted Cups Convocations when we've had them, where we've had 100 to 300 pagans, UU pagans here, celebrating UU paganism. Well, I, um, I know the, um, and with COVID this year is different, so I'll let you talk a little bit about that in a minute, but uh-huh. I know year that I went to GA and we had ritual, you had 250, 300 people in a room uh, yep. to do uh, to do ritual. So, I mean, yeah. it is a, a, a big, big draw. So, you know, I uh, remember yeah, there was a was year exciting. when, the, I don't remember what year it was, but there was a year that Mark and Adler and I did the ritual for the summer solstice ritual together at General Assembly. And we had almost 1,200 people at the ritual. It was wow. wild. So, and this wow. year we did it online. So this year because of COVID, right. we didn't have general, we had virtual general assembly. And right. you and our board, we, I mean, our board did this. Um, we could only do a video ritual. And I'm thinking, right. how the hell are we going to do that? And the brilliance of our administrative person, um, we crafted this incredible, fun summer solstice video that has been seen by almost 600 people at this point. Right, which is Between fun. the it, people it who watched it, 
General Assembly, and now they watch it on our YouTube channel. Right. And it was just fun. I mean, it's really, it was really, really, yeah. it was really fun. So, uh, yeah. yeah, that was a great, that was a great, that was a fun, that was, that was a fun, that was a fun experience. Well, something yeah, I mean, people 600 people. Me I, meet them. Wow. I know that's, that's fine. And again, what I've always liked about CUP is that um, it exposes some, I've met so many people who were interested and maybe themselves um, were not interested in being earth-centered themselves, but they right. knew somebody who was. Um, you know, um, I've had parents come up to me and talk to me, and, and again, I'm pretty uh, mundane-looking. Um, um, somebody once told me I wasn't very witchy. I was Mary Poppins, which I, it was supposed to be a, a crack, but I thought it was funny. But um, I know I heard the same. Know, I heard are, the same thing about myself. <laughs> yeah, who are just interested in learning um, about it. Um, so other people who are pagan will come up to me and they will ask me. They're like, you know, I already belong to a coven. Can I still come to cups? How would you answer that? Oh hell yeah! Like you can come to cups. Like come and play and. And and share yours. It's not dogmatic. Cups is not about dogma. Right. That is for sure. You use are not about dogma. And so I mean, right. I think anybody coming to cups from a from um sort of a uh, sort of dogmatic perspective might be a little a little um, disappointed. Um, Absolutely. But you need to come with like your heart open to the greater sense of what it is to be earth centered. Now, there are chapters, don't get me wrong, I mean, we have chapters that are very Wicca-centric, we have chapters that are very Druidic-centric, and or, or um, more focused on a particular um, path, right? Path, because that's, what, that's geographical what is big in their area. Exactly, but for the most part, Cups chapters are um, more a and open to what it is that pulls your heart to honoring the earth as sacred. And it doesn't, it's kind of like that. Yeah, we, I would say I, I, we have a pretty thriving, pretty big cups group and we have different races. We traditionally, I would say the majority of people tended to be more Wiccan. We have Druid. Um, um, we have one Santeria, but but most people tend to do that because, to be honest, that's what's mostly known. Do you know what I mean? I mean, that's mostly what's known. Sure. But what I have found a yep. shift in is that I would say 10 or 15 years ago, most people, and at least in my area, were in covens or they were in a tradition, and they also yes. came to cups. Now I see most people don't feel the need to have a label or identify, you know, I'm Alexandrian, you know, I'm this, I'm that. They are more eclectic, which is something that I've seen a shift in. People are more interested. Yeah. Or they're not interested in wearing a label on their sleeve, so to speak. Right. The other thing I love, every shift I've seen in cups that I know that you and the rest of our board is thinking about is we're really thinking about, um, like how do people see us I know there's been um, there's been some stuff over um, the last two years that Ompar Kesh and I have heard at General Assembly around who we welcome and who we don't welcome and we welcome everybody I don't care what your path is what who you are your race your identity whatever and so I've just come out with some pretty strong statements especially because where you use above everything, so we're a little radical, and and Absolutely. and we're also very clear, like that everyone is welcome. And Absolutely. So we've been investigating, like, what is it about the language? How do we language ourselves as pagans that may not be welcoming to folks who I who have different racial identities or who have different. Um, um, identities of any kind 
And so mm-hmm. what may, what about who, I mean, I get it. Like paganism can be heard as Eurocentric. If you want to hear it as Eurocentric and the word, of course, the way the word is identified in dictionaries and stuff is clearly Eurocentric, but we welcome such a broad depth of people. And, over and I the think years, that's changing. Yeah. Yeah. And over the years, I mean, I even, look at some of the past speakers we've had at general assemblies and stuff and it has not necessarily just been wicca centric or white identified or um, straight identified or however you want I don't I'm, I may be using all the wrong language because I may be doing that but it's like there has been a lot of speakers over the years who have just brought an incredible depth of um, of love and message um, to the earth-centered community um, from their perspective. And mm-hmm. um, I know as just personally, as somebody who's done a lot of interfaith work, I, I, am, I am very clearly a stand that we, we really look at the languaging of how we speak ourselves. And, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I invite anybody who's interested in cups to share sort of that, like what they see is missing and do so in yeah. a kind and 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 manner and such but we're certainly we've come a long ways in that i mean when i first joined it was very oh my goodness it was very wicca centric or women's spirituality centric and um there was no in between yeah something else that i've noticed um and again it may just be my local area is that mm-hmm. um, m- many many people um, I, I've noticed that cups feels a need for many people who practice solitary, but who yep. want some group work or they want the ability to learn or to talk with other people. They necessarily don't necessarily want to worship or always do ritual with, you know what I mean? Like a coven. Yes. They really enjoy being solitary, but they really like the um, getting together in a group. And so, Again, yep. that's something that I realize really, really feels a need for. And I know um, my group and some other groups that I've talked with, you know, COVID kind of hit and people yeah. kind of, you know, can't meet in person right now and kind of put things on hold. And people are really hungry for um, togetherness. And so, again, yeah, they are. many of our – and. It, and if you, you know, can go to our go to the Cups website, look and see if there's a chapter. But if you go to, to different churches and you can look, people are starting to have Zoom rituals. They're starting to have yep. Zoom classes. And, and they're starting to, to do things because there's such a need for that community. And a lot of that is, a, at least in the people I talk to, our solitary practitioners have really found um, that they were, that again, that that is something that they really – enjoy being with a group yep and one i mean one of the things we're looking at as a board is how do we have a space for our chapters to share where you know so when they're meeting or what they're doing and 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 so um you know do we do that through facebook do we do that through the website how do we do that because it's all it's a new world and we've got so many we've got so many chapters that are doing such great work. I just highly recommend right. people look to, like, call their UU church and say, hey, you know, I'm pagan. Um, I would love to, like, um, attend your church. I've heard great things about UUism. But uh, do you have a Cups chapter? And if they don't, Absolutely. then get in there and learn about the congregation and start a Cups chapter, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, It's not hard to start a Cups chapter. You just need to get to know your congregation and participate and and be, you know, be involved with it so that people trust that you're coming to this with, no, with, with open heart, you know. So talk about some of the different activities, like, for example, um, if I if someone was interested in cups, what might they do? For example, I know um, a lot of of, of uh, cups groups um, practice the eight festivals a year. So mm-hmm. they do Yule, they do Samhain, they 
they do that some off-site in a park, some. I know we actually uh, meet as a church. Um, um, so that is something that um, I would say a majority of the Cubs groups, um, actually that's something that they, that, they, that they actually do. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a bunch of groups that use that, um, I'm going to call it Wicca-centric languaging of, the, of holidays and festivals. There are some that just use more generic names. So I know when we were running rituals here in my city, we didn't use the festival. We didn't use the Wiccan festival names. We just, it's like, okay, well, technically Maybon in Wicca traditions is coming up this next weekend. We would call it right. fall equinox. We would say winter right. solstice Actually, we do too. or yeah. spring right. equinox. We wouldn't have it sound closed in because, there are folks who may be Native American, they may be um, right. Centurion or whatever, and they may have different languages or different names right. for these periods of time, and they would feel shut out. And so I, um, most folks do celebrate the, what I'm going to call the eight holidays of the agricultural calendar. Um, right. And and others have um, I, like I know there's a group in Denton, Texas that are, is more Druidic, so they'll use the the titles of the holidays for there. And um, which is fun. So just, I mean, I think that's so yeah, fun. I know. We yeah, have a lot so of Norse kind groups, of, and I got to go. We do. That ritual was totally different, and got to go to a bloat, and it was just so exciting. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I went mean, to a blow that, last year for the first time. Yeah, and it was just really exactly. So I encourage people to to look and see and they're interested in and and I've been surprised when I talk to people and I give them like locations, you know, like here's here's they're so surprised that they kind of live in their backyard and didn't realize that there were I know, right? uh, pagan and cub scripts available. Yeah. So, you know, if, if folks are interested in starting with Cups chapters or starting Cups chapters, they should just get to know their local UU congregations. And then from there, you're the membership and chapter person. So they should reach you at membership at cups.org and, um, and ask, how do I start a Cups chapter? And, like, the things that they really need to do is have a, congr- uh, have a conversation with their congregational board and worship committee and their minister and create what's known as a covenant. And a covenant is merely a promise between the two groups, the church and the chapter on how they're going to work together. What are they going to contribute to each other? What can they count on each other for? It's this, it's sort of this, I think sometimes people hear the word covenant or promise like, like it's a moral obligation of some sort, but this is like, no, this is like, this is great. This is how we're going to work together. And then you create like rules to which your chapter is going to abide by, whether that's bylaws or guidelines or whatever you and your congregation come up with, that becomes the sort of the basis of the, um, the workings of your, of your chapter. And then there's, you know, of course, there's paperwork with us to fill out and, and all that sort of stuff. But it's not hard to start a CUPS chapter. It's a commitment. And most right. CUPS chapters are welcoming to everybody. Some are, finding are, are, some are finding are not so good at that, and that's an old format that was allowed to, to happen way back when. But now Cups chapters need to be more welcoming. They need to be welcoming to everybody, um, just like our congregation meetings are. Like I can go to any UU church on a Sunday morning and no one's going to – well, they might judge and evaluate me because they might judge and evaluate me. But I'm, I, I can go there. I should be able to go to any Cups chapter in, in my region or in any region across the country. And, it, and sometimes when I'm traveling, like I'm from upstate New York, there's a couple Cups chapters up there. If I really want to go to a Cups chapter, all I got to do is show up and I'll be right. welcome. So, yeah. um, 
you know, if, if anyone's interested, they should just get a hold of you at membership at cups.org. Yeah, or I say go to the Cups website and look around and read up and, yeah. and kind of see. But I encourage everybody, uh, yeah, um, to become a member. Yeah, there's a whole page you know, have on a voice. To- whole section on how on chapters and how to start a cups chapter and how to just to be a member you do not have to belong to a chapter mm-hmm. in order to be a member of cups to um, have your voice heard so absolutely it's right uh, it's really it's really really i mean it's really fun you know you were talking back i was going to tell you i met margo probably about 6 or 7 years Mm-hmm. Um, before she passed, I got I met her very late in life. I actually met mm-hmm. her the first time she spoke at a UU church, um, and um, some friends of ours invited us, and so I, I briefly got to meet and talk with her. And then I got to uh, got to know her much better. She attended several PSGs, um, and I didn't realize mm-hmm. that she was a very close personal friend, uh, not only with you but of Selena Fox. And, uh, yeah, I got to hear some funny Selena stories. But also I got to um, – Margo had a beautiful voice. And oh, yeah. I got to be in a singing circle at midnight under the stars uh, with her chanting and singing. And, yeah, uh, yeah. so, yeah, uh, yeah. She, was a, she was it's a very really, treasure. I mean, I think of the fabulous people that we have in leadership in our general pagan community who are also CUPS members. You know, I think of John right. Beckett, who is, he right. has this fabulous Druid group in Texas at the UU Church out there. Um, you know, I mean, we've had numerous people speak at our convo- convocations from Starhawk to Tendenka to, oh, my goodness. Well, Shirley Rank was, she broke ground in the Unitarian Universalist Association with her Cakes to the Queen of Heaven course. Right. In, and, um, you know, and, and we've had, um, you know, we've had some pretty tough, like people who are fairly controversial now, but they were elders. I mean, they, they were like movers and shakers way back when, like through Budapest. And, and um, you know, now I, I know she can be quite controversial, but she she was somebody who contributed a lot to the goddess In the movement. beginning. Exactly. And so I don't, I don't like throwing, I mean, I know, you know, our world has shifted and reshaped and our languaging of things has changed, but I really try to honor um, what everyone has contributed. Yeah. It's our heritage. And, um, you know, and I, I look at who's around now, like we've had Byron Ballard speak at convocation. We've had Jimmy Ravish. We've had like some great folks, and I would love to do a virtual convocation. So, if anybody out there who's a Cups member is interested in a virtual convocation, just email me because I would love to put a team together who would do that. Um, and so, I just I think we have a lot to give, not and we will yeah. always have. I mean, we because of Cups, our hymnal changed. Like we added Earth centered sources and pagan chants to the hymnal um sunday mornings it's no big deal now to hear a minister say blessed be at the end of a prayer of some sort right or a reading um our our pagan culture has um tiptoed its way in and anchored itself in in little ways and, you know, some pagans might think that's, like, almost blasphemy, but I think it's a good thing inside of Unitarian Universalism, given that our tradition is um, it's a more open tradition and more interfaith in its presentation. Absolutely. A- absolutely. So, um, and again... Another thing that I just find so interesting is that how much you and others have accomplished in a time, you know, now we have the Internet, and I can get on and I can talk to people all over the world, 
but you couldn't really do that in the 80s and early 90s. <laughs> no. So, you know, no, this, you couldn't. You know, my partner talks about the magazine Green Egg, where you could write in a letter and then you had to wait until two months later to the next issue to read the answer. I mean, it's just, you know, in this yeah. world of internet, that seems crazy. But to think how much you and everyone else accomplished in the early years when there was yeah. very, there was, you know, long distance was expensive and there was no internet and communication, mm-hmm. you know, was not easily done. So and, and when really we, when things shifted in 19, so when things started shifting for 1996's changes, I mean, frankly, we were using telephones, telephones, right. and we were using uh, an arc like a message board sort of situation or email list. Um, I think Yahoo had um, started doing email like lists about that point. Yeah. Right. And we would argue and we would get in each other's faces. And yeah, that was pretty fun. interesting. I know. <laughs> so I know it just, but it amazes me how much was accomplished across the country at a time mm-hmm. where there was no internet and no very easy um, communication. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's exciting. You know, exciting. and I just, I just, so, I just still, I mean, I honor the folks who, who started this organization in the very beginning. I, I'm very clear what they went through. I know that any changes that ever happen inside of an organization are not easy. And they continue not to be easy, but um, yeah. and we've certainly had our share of, of stuff. But the bottom line is is that the one thing I love about cops is that we we really sit and discern and talk things through. Right. And if we can't, then we can't, and that's kind of that. And I think you use as a generalization. Uh, like to read and like to learn and uh, mm-hmm. um, are all about that. So something else that I would tell our listeners is that many Cubs groups um, have classes or they have yes. discussion groups or they just, they have um, from, you know, very formal um, classes on Druidism or astrology or things like that to just uh, discussion groups. And when I work with chapters and they'll say, you know, we have ritual, you know, you know, every six weeks, but, you know, every third Wednesday we meet at this coffee shop. And, and, and I think that's really nice. So I think yeah. there's a lot of things for everybody, what they're, um, yeah. just what they're looking for. So I love and, the one where children are welcome. I love yeah, when children that, again, are welcome and teens Yes. Uh, again, we've went through periods of time where we had children or we, we've, we've always had, we've had, we will have older teens. We've had to get people's parents permission, but, but we yep. typically, I, I, I get, we get a lot of college students, but, uh, but uh. yes, we've had very young children. I, I have a, a, a pagan busy bag that I can give children, but, and we've had babies <laughs> and ritual and, not everybody likes that. I do. But, we've uh, had, but um, anyway. We've mm-hmm. had, we used to have um, groups of teens who were doing the, uh, a program called the Church Next Door. And they were studying uh-huh. about various um, religious, um, about various religions. And so they would go visit a mosque or they would go visit, you know, another kind of Christian church or whatever. But they would come to a cup. Um, ritual to see what paganism was all about. And because Aww. of where I live, we used to have pretty fun, crazy Samhain rituals for um, Samhain. And so it was always, um, I always had to work with um, directors of religious education if they were bringing a group during Samhain so that the uh-huh. young adults would know what they were getting themselves into. So. Oh, that's funny. You know, you, not you not every that. teenager we, yeah. understands ancestors. So. 
no. I, that's funny you say that. We had many, many years ago someone who did a, we did a ritual and a meditation, and he took us to the underworld. And mm-hmm. it was kind of gruesome where people's flesh was and, and whatever. And the oh, whole point yeah. is when you came back up and you opened your eyes, he had a skull he had put on the ritual table. And I got to oh, tell you, that took no. some of my people out. So I oh, have yeah. also learned that, I mean, We did one with the yeah, fates. We, we did have... one with the fates. Ours was the fates, and they would cut a rib like, randomly they would cut your ribbon. And yeah, and so explaining fun. that that ribbon didn't mean anything, but it meant something, and you know it was crazy. But you know, young people are pretty resilient, and they ask a lot of questions, and and they did, and they do, and and so and they I love. How, yeah, yeah, great. Well, girl, our time is almost up. Thank you so I much. I know how busy you are, so I really want to thank you for taking time out to come and talk with us. And uh, letting us know what's going on with Cups. And good luck in all your future endeavors. Thanks. And I Let just us know when your next book comes out. <laughs> I will. And anybody who's interested in Cups, they should just go to cups.org and, you know, take a wander through and the website. There's a lot of information out there and all that sort of stuff. And there's also, we have a Facebook group. So oh, yeah. they can go to the Facebook That's group. Cool. And so, absolutely, there's lots of ways. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. I also thank like to you thank, so much. I'd like to thank David our technic, for his technical expertise during our show. And finally, I'd like to thank all of you out there, our listeners, for your continued support. Come back. The next Circle Talk will be October, Tuesday, October 6th. I will see you then. Good night, everybody, and blessed be. One spirit in the dark, like a candle wavers. Many spirits joined as one, burn with the power of the blazing sun. There is strength in community.
you for joining us on the Circle Sanctuary Network Podcasts, presented by Circle Sanctuary and produced for all who follow the Nature Center paths. Join us here throughout the week for various programming connecting the community around the world. And please don't forget to watch for updates on the Circle Sanctuary website at www.circlesanctuary.org. And follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash csnpodcasts. We can also be found on your favorite podcast hosting sites, such as iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and others. And until next time, many blessings. Hi, I'm Stacy Reeves, General Supervisor for DTE. As part of our plan to make your power more reliable, we're installing new smart technology. When it's up and running, our smart grid will have fewer and shorter power interruptions. Our crews are out every day doing everything in their power to deliver the reliability you deserve. DTE.